I want to echo uh, Nathan's comments, not necessarily the don't listen to Greg comments, that's, that's probably a good one too, but, um, but uh, I do want to say thank you so much for the generosity of this congregation at this time of Thanksgiving, this season of giving. Uh, a lot of you have stepped up to the plate and uh, have helped out, whether it be the Embrace Grace Baby Shower or just other areas like the Thanksgiving boxes of blessings or just your time and your involvement and all sorts of things. I do, I just I want to do... I do want to say a big thank you to those who kind of lined up the Thanksgiving boxes of blessings, those who donated towards those, um, those who packed them and got them ready, and then also those who delivered. And there was just a lot of different aspects that went into that, and we were able to bless 12 different families, individuals in our community, and our church congregation uh, this past Thanksgiving. So thank you so very much for your involvement there. And I just, I continue to praise God and thank God for what he's doing through this body. Uh, this church continues to rise up. To continues to be the, the church from scripture that is light into the darkness. Uh, we're praising God for the 15 baptisms that have taken place so far in 2021. And I just continue to pray that we might see 21 baptisms take place. And, and as we thank God for baptisms like Faith Halls just recently, we want to, I want to remind us that we have a responsibility to continue to disciple, to continue to teach, to continue to mentor and to nurture new life when it comes to this body. And so thank you again for your prayers and may we continue to reach out. You have a part to play. You might be the one link in a chain that finally helps someone connect to Jesus Christ. And so I'd encourage us, especially at this time of year, the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, you might have more opportunities to reach out to someone that you maybe don't normally have a chance to reach out to. So I encourage you along those lines. And last week we talked about this idea of traditions and uh, maybe traditions when it comes to holidays, but also beyond that. What about in our own lives, our preferences, the things that we like over other things? And we talked about the idea that God doesn't want us to let traditions rule our lives, that we need to go to God's word first and foremost, and as a church, go to his word to guide and direct our thoughts and our actions, and to lead us and to, to direct us, and, and so we were challenged to not be legalistic when it comes to our preferences, that we might prefer one thing over another, but not to make that our God, to choose to put God as our foundation and God's word, the Bible, to be our first and foremost location to go to when it comes to the truth of how we're to live our lives. And so we're in Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23, that kind of draws in from last week. So we're going to hear a little bit uh, from both, you know, last week and then also this week. And, and we touched on this a little bit from last week, and it's this idea of what's the heart of the problem. And that's the, the title of today's message, the, the heart of the problem and so I really want us to look at these verses and see what Scripture teaches us about the heart of the problem. Will you pray with me? God, we desire for you to speak into our lives through your Holy Spirit, through your word. May we be open to the leading and direction of where you want us to go. And so may you speak through me, God, that I would be just a messenger speaking your words. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. How often... Do we try to blame our actions on other people, right? I mean, none of us adults do that, only our kids, right? Okay? I mean, how many times 
And do we try to point the finger at someone, someone else? And we see that all the way from the beginning of creation, right? In Genesis, where, where God confronts Adam, and what does Adam do? He says, Eve, Eve's the one that made me, okay? And then Eve's like, well, it wasn't me, it was the serpent, right? And, and so the fingers start to get pointed, the blame starts to shift, and reminds me of my children. Uh, I, the names uh, have been changed to protect the innocent, uh, but... Oftentimes in my house, I might have Susie, she might come up the stairs from playing downstairs, and, and they're having a great old time, but Susie comes up, and she's sad, and she's distraught, and she might be crying, there might be tears, and, and she says, uh, Johnny, he shoved me, and I hit the table that the, the TV sits on, and so, okay, we got to call Johnny, I'm like, Johnny, what's your side of the story, and, and Johnny says, well, uh, I was busy watching a show, and Susie asked me to change the channel to watch a different show, and I said no, and so then Susie jumped on me. Okay, all right, and I'm looking at Susie, you jumped on him, okay, and he jumped up, she, she jumped on me, and so I shoved her off me, and she landed, and she hit the table that holds the TV, and so the story comes together, and I look over at Susie, and I say, why did you come up and tell on Johnny for something that started with you, and she says, well, no, it was him, he didn't change the TV show, and I'm like, okay, so uh, if you get nothing else out of this message this morning, because they both got in trouble, all right, because we don't jump on people, and we don't shove people, so you don't get anything else out of the message today, don't jump on people, and don't shove people, okay, all right, but we, we go back to Susie, and we try to explain to her, don't you see that the issue began with you? And what was taking place within you, what you wanted, and then your actions that came out from what was going on inside of you. So many times we blame our actions on those around us. We say things like, well, we were just raised that way. Or it's in my genetics to act like that. Or, or we say things like, well, we're just kids. I mean, that's no big deal. And we, we shift the blame, and we say, well, it was the peer pressure around me. Or I've heard people say, Satan made me do it. And we try to blame other things, and the truth of the matter is, is there are a lot of things that are outside of us that put a lot of pressure on us in this life. But at the end of the day, what makes us unclean in the sight of God can't be blamed on those around us. The heart of the problem begins in our hearts. If you are able and willing this morning, will you stand with me as we turn to Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 14. Mark 7, verse 14, down through 23. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of a man's hearts, come evil thoughts, 
Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. You may be seated. Again, if you remember back to last week, there, there was these scribes and the Pharisees that are trying to trip up Jesus and his, his disciples, and they didn't ceremonially wash their hands, and so like, oh man, you guys are unclean because you're eating food that caught, you know, with unclean hands, and there's this tradition that was made up by the Pharisees and the scribes, and, and so there, again, we look at this man-made tradition idea from these religious leaders at the time which which reminded me of growing up I don't know if you've heard this before or not but you know you shouldn't play cards because cards are of the devil and a story is told of one church in Alabama where the minister of education was trying to ask people to bring card tables for a fellowship get-together but he refused to call them card tables He said, please bring your square, portable tables with folding legs, right? I mean, isn't that what we do as humans? We we try to get around different things, and we we make up certain things in our minds. This is how it's supposed to be, but then we go to Scripture, and there's nothing about it in the Bible at all. See, there's these man-made traditions that begin to rule our lives. So I first, this morning... Just want to take a quick minute and remind us a little bit from last week. And, and then I want to share maybe some bad news from these verses, but then I also want to share some good news. And so the first thing, if you're taking notes, is man-made religious traditions aren't the answer. Man-made religious traditions aren't the answer. The reason that we like traditions sometimes, traditions like making sure to wash your hands or making sure to get dressed up for Sunday morning, is, is because sometimes... Those are outward things that we can show, you know, an expression of, you know, how good we are at times. And yet Jesus taught that righteousness wasn't a matter of outward religious practice. It's a matter of inward affection toward God. Jesus called the Jews, these leaders, hypocrites. They honored God with their lips, but they were what? They were far from God because their hearts were far from God. The word hypocrite comes from a word that meant an actor. A hypocrite is someone whose walk doesn't match his talk. There's a 1989 Nike television commercial. It was for hiking shoes. And this was shot in Kenya using Samburu tribesmen. And I couldn't find the actual video on YouTube or anything. Maybe you could find it for me. But as the story goes, the camera closes in on one of the tribesmen who speaks in native Ma. And as he speaks, the Nike slogan, Just Do It, appears on the screen. Well, Lee Kronk, an anthropologist at the University of Cincinnati, says the Kenyan is really saying, I don't want these, give me big shoes. And Nike's Elizabeth Dolan says, well, we thought nobody in America would know what he said. (laughs) See, the message that Nike wanted to get out didn't match what the man was saying. And the problem with man-made religion is that it's man's attempt to earn God's acceptance by following 
a prescribed set of rules and regulations. It's, it's made up by us. See, God gave us the Old Testament law to actually show us that none of us can obey his rules perfectly. God gave the law so no person would be able to plead innocence or ignorance of the law. Here's how the Bible describes it in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. Romans chapter 3, 19 through 20 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. And so let me ask us, how many will be declared righteous by performing religious acts, according to the Bible? Well, the answer is zero. How many mouths will be able to give an excuse for their behavior, according to the Bible? Zero. How many of us will be held accountable to God, according to the Bible? All of us, right? We, we all will be accountable. And after establishing, establishing this truth, Jesus moves on to address the true nature of sin and righteousness and has nothing to do with the way you wash your hands or what you eat. So the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? See, the bad news for us is at some point in our lives, we've had a bad heart. We've all suffered from a bad heart. And that's what Jeremiah 17.9 is saying. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And there's two basic schools of thought about human goodness and evil. The, the humanist says all people are basically good at heart. But because of lack of education or poverty or a poor environment or association with bad people, a person gradually falls into evil. The other position is that man in the flesh desires things that are not of God and therefore must be redeemed by Jesus Christ. We are selfish in our earthly flesh, aren't we? You can put a three-year-old toddler in a room on the floor and had, hand this three-year-old toddler a bag of candy, and, and they might be enjoying it, and then you introduce two other three-year-old toddlers into the scenario, and what does the first toddler do? Does they say, oh, here, you want some candy? Of course not. No. What do they say? Mine. Mine. Right? You'll never see a class in any school entitled Lying 101, right? I mean, we just don't see that. Nobody has to teach us to lie. We lie naturally. We have to be taught to tell the truth. And as the story goes, the English playwright and comedian Noel Coward once played a practical joke. He sent an anonymous letter to ten of the most influential people in London. The letter said, we all know what you have done. If you don't want to be exposed, leave town. 
And of course, it, it was just a joke, but Noel Coward said all ten individuals moved within six months. If we were to dig into each of our lives, we would see the evidence that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And all too often, we, we want to hide that sin. We don't want to own up to that sin. And Jesus used this occasion about clean and unclean traditions to teach us the source of human sin. And again, from these verses, 14 through 23 of chapter 7 of Mark, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside of man can make him unclean by going into him, rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. And of course, when Jesus spoke about the evil that comes from the human heart, he wasn't talking about the organ within us that, that pumps blood to every part of our body. He was referring to the heart as the control center of our life. Your heart is the part of your personality where moral choices are made. The bad news is that we've all, at one point or another, have had a bad heart. And Jesus gives a list, not an all-inclusive list, but a list of the evil symptoms that can come out of a bad heart. And I don't want to go into great detail concerning this list, but I want us to acknowledge the reality that these are symptoms of a bad heart. And I want to give you some basic definitions of what Jesus is listing here, and I want to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you where you might need to be convicted this morning. So I'm going to invite all of us just to bow our heads, not to worry about those around us. Maybe even close your eyes. If you're taking notes, you can leave your eyes open. But just for about five minutes here, I just want you to bow your heads and listen to what Jesus is describing as symptoms of a bad heart. Jesus says in verse 21, For from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts. Evil thoughts are described as when the heart's desire begins to establish a plan. So I ask us this morning, are you fantasizing about sin in your life? Sexual immorality, any sexual desire that rebels against God's standard. Are you neglecting and defying God's law of sexual relations? Theft. The desire to take what you want regardless of the consequences. Are you taking something that is not yours and you could care less? Murder. 
the desire to play God by deciding who deserves the right to live. And maybe you don't think this will ever apply to you, but John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 15 says, Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. See, it's a matter of your heart. These are symptoms of a bad heart, adultery, and it feels like, didn't we just talk about this? But adultery is the inappropriate interactions with someone other than who you are married to. Are your actions or your thoughts inappropriate towards someone that is not your spouse? Six, greed or coveting, a selfish and excessive desire for more of something Are you wanting what your neighbor has? Malice, not a word that we use a lot, but seems like it really can define our homes at times. It's the desire to cause pain or injury or distress to another. Are you someone who purposely causes malice in the lives of others? Deceit, the desire to deceive someone else for your own benefit. Is your life so full of lies that you don't know what the truth is anymore? Lewdness or sensuality, the desire to act upon every passion without restraint. Do you give into every passion without thinking through the consequences? Number 10, envy, the desire that is unwilling to be satisfied with what you have. Are you never content? Are you always wanting more? Again, these are symptoms of a bad heart. Number 11, slander, the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. Are you throwing someone under the bus so you can look better and get ahead? Arrogance, having or revealing an exaggerated sense of one's own importance or abilities. Do you think you're better than everyone else folly or foolishness the senseless desire to ignore God's wisdom are you ignoring the truth of God's word in your life you can open your eyes will you actually stand for just a moment and stretch and I want you to turn to your neighbor and say that's the bad news but there is good news that's the bad news But there is good news. All right, you may be seated. There is good news. That's right, Tim. There is good news. We do have hope. It feels like, man, there's 13 things that are symptoms of a bad heart. And that's the bad news. But there is good news. The good news is that Jesus died on the cross so that we could receive a spiritual heart transplant. Amen? That is good news. A bad heart that is completely changed out. God doesn't want to just patch up your old heart. He wants to give you a new heart. A a completely new heart. God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel to show us that sinful humanity's only hope is to get a new heart. And so in Ezekiel 36 verse 26, this is from the message paraphrase. God promises, I'll give you a new heart. Put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it 
with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. And I don't know about you this morning, but that's the kind of heart that I want to have. Jesus told the hyper-religious Pharisee Nicodemus that he would never be good enough to see the kingdom of heaven. He said, you must be born again. And when you are born again spiritually, God gives you a new start on life. And it, it includes a new heart. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Would you like a new heart today? Jesus has a heart full of grace and forgiveness, and he offers to become a permanent resident in your heart. Salvation isn't a matter of the head because you can't think your way into heaven. Salvation isn't a matter of your hands, because you can't work your way into heaven. It's a matter of the heart. And God is offering you salvation, a free gift. But it's not cheap. In fact, it costs Jesus everything. In John 19, we read that as Jesus was hanging on the cross, a Roman soldier pierced his side with a spear and water and blood flowed out from the wound of Jesus. If you've ever done any research on this, this is evidence that Jesus died, not the usual crucifixion death by suffocation, but of heart failure. He died of a broken heart so we can have a new heart. Life isn't about us, it's about God. Loving Him, living for Him, leading others to Him. And maybe today is the day that you go all in for Jesus. Maybe you're tired of pushing this to the side and you don't want to just sidestep this anymore. No more half-stepping and no more when it's just maybe convenient for me type of mentality. But today is the day you fully surrender all that you are and all that you have and all that you want or need and make Jesus the Lord of your life. As the praise team comes, I just want to end with a poem. And maybe it's a poem you've heard before. The original comes from an unknown author and has been slightly altered over time. But it goes like this. Mary had a little pig whose skin was white as snow that is, after Mary washed her pig, which was often, you must know. And Mary had an awful time to keep her piggy clean, for he really was the dirtiest pig that you have ever seen. She'd wash him and she'd scrub him, and he would squirm and squeal, as if he tried to let her know that clean was not his deal. And then outside in his backyard, he'd scheme from morn to night. Then he'd sneak away from home and lose himself from sight. And then when Mary found him, he'd be dirtier than before. So she would grab the soap and brush and clean her pig some more. Poor Mary thought and wondered much what she could ever do until she figured out a plan. And this she carried through. She took her pig to a local vet, 
who put the pig to sleep. He took the pig's heart right out, but not, of course, to keep. And then he took a dying lamb and took his heart out too and put it in the little pig before the piggy knew. When little piggy did awake, he had no more desire to wallow in the mud again or even in the mire. And try as hard as he could think, he never understood how such a dirty pig as him could ever be so good. And so you see, dear friends of mine, you need a new heart too. Just like the little piggy did, the old will never do. So if you want a brand new heart, well, here is what you do. Just give your heart to the Lamb of God, and he'll give his heart to you. If you need to give your heart to God this morning, today's the day. If you have a decision to make, if you need someone to pray with you, whatever you're going through this morning, we want to be available. And so we're going to sing a song of invitation. And if you need a new heart, will you please come as we sing? Will you stand with us?